0: Nicola
1: Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Tuesday, October the 4th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Plenty coming up for you in the next 20 minutes or so, but our top story today is that a further 16 charges have been brought against a man who's in prison for murdering two women and abusing bodies in hospitals in Kent. Well, Ish joins me now with more on this story. Firstly, Ish, can you remind us who David Fuller is?
0: Well, the 68-year-old from Heathfield in East Sussex was given two whole-life sentences in December last year for killing Wendy Nell and Caroline Pierce in 1987. Both women, who were in their 20s, had lived in bedsits in Tunbridge Wells. Fuller was arrested in 2020 after advances in DNA technology linked him to the crimes was also discovered he'd carried out sexual offences on bodies in mortuaries in Tunbridge Wells Hospital and the former Kent and Sussex Hospital over a 12-year period. He was given 12 years to run concurrently after being convicted of crimes against 78 victims.
1: And what's happened today?
0: Well, detectives have been continuing to investigate and have now brought charges connected to 23 further female victims who died between 2007 and 2020. 13 of them have been identified but 10 remain unknown. Fuller faces at 10 sexual offences charges in relation to 10 victims who've been identified and a further two charges related to unidentified victims. He's also accused of possessing extreme pornography. He's due to appear in court via video link later this week.
1: Thanks ever so much Ish. We'll update you on that court appearance later on in the week and if you've been at all affected by this case, details of where you can get support are within the story today at Kent Online and anyone who may have information. Is being urged to contact the Operation Sandpiper Major Incident Portal or you can contact their call centre which is on 0800 051 5270. That's 0800 051 5270.
0: Kent Online News.
1: Other top stories for you today. This is incredibly sad. It's emerged a one-year-old baby boy drowned after getting into a hot tub at a family's friend's house near Ashford. An inquest has heard Jetson Mafia Kirby from Folkestone had been trying to grab a toy when it happened last June. Well, an investigation's concluded there was a gap of no less than 30 seconds to no more than five minutes at most where he'd been left unsupervised. A coroner's described it as a tragic accident and says there was no evidence of neglect. Our thoughts are very much with Jetson's family. It's been confirmed a dad of four from Ramsgate, who died when his motorbike crashed into a tree, had suffered a heart attack just moments before it happened. A coroner's concluded the medical episode led to 46, year old Anthony McCohen crashing on the Thanet Way in Whitstable last April. His wife says she's glad to finally know what happened and has described her husband as lovable and a real family man. A drug dealer who tried to swallow cocaine and heroin while being arrested in Folkestone has been jailed. David Fisher also threatened officers who found two mobile phones and a knife when they searched him on the Lees in May. The 44 year old who doesn't have a permanent address has been locked up for four and a half years. We now know when the next cost of living payment will be made. Thousands of low-income families in Kent will get £324 on the 8th of November. It's to help cover the cost of rising bills over the winter. Meantime, staff at a builder's merchant in Kent are getting £750 to help with the cost of living crisis. Selco are giving 96% of their workforce the extra payment spread over five months. As a response to rising energy bills inflation and interest rates they have a branch on the medway city estate now, next today, and the Kent Online podcast has been told an increasing number of people are visiting clinics in Kent asking to look like they do when they've used a filter on their phone. Now, as I'm sure you know, some social media sites and photo editing apps allow you to change your appearance with just a few clicks. You might well have done it yourself. You used a filter so that you look a little bit different or perhaps you've changed your profile picture on one of your social media sites. But now it's feared that the tech is causing some of us to have unrealistic expectations of what we could or should look like. Kate Ross is the director of La Ross Aesthetics in Medway and she's launched a campaign urging
2: us to ditch the filter. I think a lot of people see our message as, you know, or could interpret our message as being an area of hypocritical And I get that and I embrace that. But what I try to say to people is people who do our job and they do it right. You know, we're talking about taking somebody and making them feel confident in their own skin, making them the best version of themselves in not taking risks, you know, unnecessary risks, not doing anything extreme, but just making them feel great about themselves, looking like themselves. When I have people coming to me and they're showing me, Filters, so they're using distorting software on their phone and they're literally showing me faces that look like a long-distant cousin and then some, like literally a total anatomic variation, like completely different bone structure, different eye shape, and they're saying, I want to look like that. What's concerning, is, strangely, isn't the fact that they, they're wanting or they're pursuing something, is the fact that they think it's strange for me when i'm saying why do you want to do that you know and, and that that dialogue that narrative has been the real you know it's it's been a real revealer and i think for me it's just this this pursuit of looking like somebody completely different this this media constructed image, the really square jaw, the very wide square jaw, the chiseled, the, you know, the, the it's a it's a textbook look, the pixie nose, the big lips, and and they all want to look like the same. And it is an app. It's an app a, a software that you're using and it's a face t- it's almost like a face-tuning um image. And they're coming in with the same face and saying, how what do I need to do to look like this? And I just think it's 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 a very slippery slope when people start going down that road.
1: Obviously, these apps and filters, they can all be a bit of fun. But it seems like, you know, we've all done a lot more video calls than we've ever done before. We're probably seeing ourselves a lot more. Things like this. Sometimes I know I'll turn the Zoom on and go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that!" You know? we've and evolved, I, it. <laughs> I can appreciate that people suddenly think, is that what I really look like? You know, perhaps we've got more of an, an awareness. but. Why do you think it has maybe for some people tipped over the edge a bit too
2: far and they're actually saying,
1: I want to look like this? And as you say, I mean, it's it's just not achievable. If
2: I go in somewhere and say, I don't want to look like me. I hate myself. Make me look like someone else. That would make someone concerned. They would go, this isn't right. This narrative's wrong. Let's support this patient. But that's essentially what's being said. They're coming in and saying, I want to look like this person. Please make me look like this person. And they're desperately wanting to look like that person. The question I have is, how many people are going to say, "Okay, let's what let's see what we can do"? Is that right? Is that treatment going to take that person and make them happy in their life? Is you know we talk about doing treatments because it helps them in in some sense in a in a health and well being capacity. If they're unwell, if they're suffering with body dysmorphia, or they have an underlying illness there that that requires them to have support is that treatment going to make them happy no it's not so why are we doing it you know we need to be providing that support
1: so tell me a little bit about the campaign you've got some really impactful images of people that you're using what sort of message are you trying to get across
2: we're all trying to celebrate something that others could potentially view as a flaw and we're trying to say this the message is what makes you you is those, is those things. Embrace them, love them. Yes, you, you, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look, you know, polish yourself and feel more confident in that respect, but learn to take the steps to embrace what makes you special and what makes you unique. And I have a five-year-old daughter and it absolutely petrifies me that she may grow up in a world where she will be criticized for not looking like everyone else. And I, I don't believe that we're gonna change the world. But I do believe if it changes one or two, if it resonates with one or two people, then we've made an impact. And I could already say in the short period of time, we've been absolutely inundated we're seeing ourselves being tagged in pictures with a hashtag no filters campaign and they're tagging us in it to say that we've inspired them to post a picture for the first time in ten years without a filter that's magic
1: do you think there's been an awful lot of talk about social media companies and their responsibilities do you think there should be any kind of policing of what is available, particularly for young people to use and to be able to
2: change their image, you know, on, a, on an app? When I was a teenager, we didn't have phones. How old am I? We didn't have phones. That's the reality. You know, we were and I think perhaps you're the same as me. We were we were the lucky ones. We got to go home after school and shut the door and then deal with it the next day. Our children don't have that. The world is is, a, is so much more pressurized, and as someone who has been in teaching as well as obviously my my uh, medical profession for a long time, it broke, It's always been a, an, an area that has concerned me. The pressures on young people, and I've never ever seen anything like it. It's filters, when they're used in a comedic value for bunny ears and uh, you know whatever, yes. The, the, there is an innocence to it. I'm, I remember my daughter being one year old and was playing around with those filters. I get that. But with everything in life, there has to be a limit. And you, if somebody tells me, you know, what is the benefit of creating a filter that completely changes someone's face? Explain explains to me the value. Uh, I don't understand the value. They've done it. They've created it. And now we have an epidemic of people who want to look like that. Is that wrong? But I ask the question, what is the point? Where's the benefit? Is there a comedic value? No, there isn't. So what you're doing is creating an app where someone can just look like this media presented image of perfection, this ideologic view. Why is that allowed? And I don't agree with it and I stand by that. And it makes me sad when I, and it really makes me sad um, when I see people come in. I had a young girl in my chair A few months ago, who wasn't leaving the house, who'd left school, her mum brought her in to to have a consultation with me about a treatment. I was like, absolutely not. She was beautiful, literally textbook, anatomically perfect in every way. And she hated herself. She was like, I need to look like this. I need to look like this. And it was, it really bothered me. And that was the reason. I was like, this is, we've got to do something, however small, you know, but if more and more people start to embrace that message, the meal change can come.
1: You can get involved in that campaign by posting a picture on your socials using hashtag #DitchTheFilter.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone.
1: And investigations underway after a motorcyclist was killed in a crash in Dover. A man in his 30s died at the scene of the collision on the A20 near the port last night. The family of a Gravesend woman claim visiting nurses failed to treat an infection which could have led to her losing her leg. The 78-year-old who lives in a retirement home in St Gregory's Court had to have three of her toes amputated two months after she fell and cut her leg. Her granddaughter is blaming staff for not spotting the signs of an infection and wants her rehomed. Bosses insist they'd always acted in line with their robust policies and procedures. The new Home Secretary is expected to announce a new approach to tackling the Channel Crossings crisis at the Tory party conference later. More than 30 33,000 people have made the dangerous journey to Kent in small boats so far this year. Well, it's understood Swella Braverman could try to bring in a new law to effectively ban them from claiming asylum. We will have reaction to whatever she has to say in the podcast tomorrow. Now, children playing in one of Kent's football leagues have been banned from deliberately heading the ball as part of a season-long trial. Under-12s in the North Kent Youth League will give away a free kick if they do a head during a match. If the trial is deemed a success, it'll be rolled out to all under 12 matches across the country next season. But why is it happening? Well, Toby Elgar is a youth development officer at the Kent FA and he's been speaking to Lucy.
3: I think it's probably important to point out, first of all, that it's it's a trial at the moment. So um, the FA have brought in this trial for the 2022-2023 season uh, for under 12 football and below. Um, this is following kind of... Um, the FA introducing heading guidance in 2021 um, which advised that heading shouldn't take place in, in, in the same age groups um, and the the aim of this trial is basically to see if the removing of heading is successful and therefore then um, kind of bringing it in across all competitions under 12 and below for the 2023-2024 season.
1: What are some of the dangers around heading a ball for for children that young?
3: I think there's still lots of unknowns and I think that's one of the reasons why the FA have brought in this trial so um, it's you see the, the, the stories now of, of footballers that are, are suffering uh, many years later um, with, you know, kind of, I suppose, yeah, head in, head injuries or, um, you know, other kind of, of, of issues later in life. And obviously the, the quality of footballs, um, the weight of the footballs has, has kind of changed over time. But uh, it's there's still lots of unknowns. And if, if we can remove that, that kind of risk of, of heading a ball while, uh, you know, children are young they, obviously their 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 brains and their heads are still developing. so um it's kind of important to kind of minimize the risk really that that they face when when heading a football.
1: And I understand that if a child in the under 12 games does head a ball, the other team gets a free kick. um I mean, how's that decision made and do you think that's fair?
3: Again, this is all part of the the, the trial. um it's an indirect free kick, which is the the first time that indirect free kicks have been brought into to you for mini soccer how often heading occurs at those age groups anyway is something that doesn't happen very often i coached in in kent for many years at these age groups and um you know when this trial was announced having conversations with with other coaches that i've i've worked with before trying to remember you know how many times really the football was headed in in youth youth football matches mini soccer matches and i really couldn't remember many occasions at all where there were there were headers so the impact really should be be very very little
1: what would your message be to parents who maybe are a bit frustrated with this new rule you know are, are you reiterating that you know this this could potentially you know save their children from a, a head injury longer down the line
3: at the end of the day it's, it's been brought in to protect children um you know the, the kind of uh, still lots of research obviously going on but it wouldn't have been brought in had there not been some kind of indications that you know this this is for the good of of, of children's health going forwards for you know looking long term at their at their lives um, and yet it's, it's I suppose the message would be stick with it, it it's there to kind of uh, kind of help and the impact that they should see on on football matches should be very very minimal it really should.
1: And we've also heard that um, in Medway they're deciding to opt out of this is that right?
3: Leagues across Kent and across the country were invited to participate in this trial. Um, it came out quite sort of late into preparations for for this season. Um, and 60 competitions uh, across the country have signed up I believe or around that number a rough figure um, which equates to just over roughly one per county FA if you were to average them out across the the counties in, in Kent all our leagues have been incredibly supportive of this this coming in that are, that are obviously eligible have eligible age groups to participate um, only one league's actually signed up to the the trial which was the, the North Kent Youth League um, and you know the only reason the other leagues haven't haven't signed up is not that they're not supportive of it it's simply volunteer capacity uh, to be able to trial the the uh i suppose the ban in heading um it's not just a case of signing up and adapting the rules there are some other steps that um leagues and volunteers on on those leagues and within those clubs have been asked to kind of do across the season and understandably um our leagues do a great job the volunteers give up so many hours to to give their best for for their leagues and the, the clubs that are within those leagues um, a lot of them felt that, you know, at this stage they 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 couldn't commit to supporting the um, kind of the additional work that the, the trial would require, but have all been fully supportive of, of. If it comes in next season, then yeah, getting fully behind
1: it. Interesting stuff there. Perhaps you've got a little one who plays football. You can let us know what you think by commenting on the story today or commenting via our socials.
0: Kent Online
1: reports. A dad-to-be from Westgate fears he could miss the birth of his first child after his motorbike was stolen. Suspects have been caught on CCTV taking the black Lex Moto from a drive on Minster Road in the early hours. Blake Calder is worried he won't be able to get to hospital in time if his partner goes into labour when he's at work and has appealed for it to be returned. You can see that CCTV footage today by heading to the website. Also whilst you're on the site today, you can see drone pictures of demolition taking place at an historic seafront site in Folkestone, where flats are going to be built. Parts of the Lees Pavilion are being ripped out before building work on the luxury apartments gets underway. Developers say everything of value from the building has been removed from the site, while other parts will be repaired and reinstated. A house in Sheerness could soon be converted into a new residential children's home. Plans for the site on Delamark Road have been officially submitted. It would have enough space for three young people People with an office downstairs for staff. Now, a Dartford entrepreneur has been telling the Kent Online podcast how cryptocurrency is the future of the beauty industry. Drowse, who's also a musician, has been accepting the payment at his barbershop, DPZ Parlor in Gravesend, since opening six months ago. The currency only exists online without being owned by any single financial company, all oh, sounds a little bit confusing, doesn't it? Well, Drowse reckons it's the way forward. This is what he's had to say.
4: So with crypto, DPZ Parlour started from cryptocurrency. So we obviously invested in that initially, and then we used a stream that as a revenue stream to fund the Parlour. So that's how it came about. And I feel like a lot of people haven't really, a lot of people are getting into uh, cryptocurrency and they're looking more into NFTs and the metaverse, etc. Um, and there's no one in the beauty industry that's really capitalized on that or really taken advantage of that. So we thought, why not be the first? So we introduced, um, started accepting crypto payments from when we first opened and um, it's been going well. There's a small portion of our uh, client base, especially like the celebrities and the influencers that um, use cryptocurrency and just people that really know about it, but it is a growing market. So I feel like it is, the direction that a lot of people in the beauty industry are going to be going in and especially I feel like a lot of the competition and a lot of people in the beauty industry don't really focus on things like that they just focus on tools and like services
1: um obviously I think you mentioned yourself it kind of goes up and down so obviously people might be a bit scared of that do you think and that's why maybe people aren't using it and you worried that it will keep going down and won't pick back up again or anything like that
4: yeah so it is a very volatile market it does go up it does go down there may be that may be the reason why people or businesses are not really going into it but when you do your research um, i'm not new to crypto and neither is the team so when you hang around people that obviously do a lot of research and are really in that field, you have a better insight to it. And I believe that that's going to be the direction that we're going to be going in. So I feel like cryptocurrency and the metaverse, etc., is going to be the direction that the beauty industry is going in, hence why we're trying to lead that. Kent Online reports.
1: The life of a little boy from East Morling who died from a rare form of cancer is going to be honoured on what would have been his eighth birthday. Jared Smith passed away last year, two years after being diagnosed. A moonlit walk is going to be taking place in his memory to raise money for Tailor Made Dreams, which supports families and children with life-limiting illnesses. The Tentadon Christmas Market is now back on after a change of organisers. This year's event had previously been cancelled because of rising costs, but a new group has now taken over. The light show still won't be happening though. However, the inside of Rochester Cathedral is being transformed into an immersive light show. Sound and light art will be projected onto the architectural features with the aim to make visitors reflect about life on Earth today. Life takes place from this evening until Saturday. And this is one of our most read stories today because at Kent Online, you can see pictures of a lost village that thousands of us knew now drive over every single day. The settlement at Key Street near Sittingbourne dates back to the Middle Ages and once had dozens of homes, a chapel and shops. Most of it, unfortunately, has now been demolished over the last 100 years to make way for the A2 and A249 junction. Do head to the website today to see those images.
4: Kent Online Sports.
1: Football and Gillingham are back in EFL trophy action tonight. They're taking on Brighton and Hove Albion's under 21s in their last group match. But the Jules manager has admitted he's trying to focus more on League Two right now. And Neil Harris says injuries in the squad have made things difficult. We
2: are really light and I don't know what team I'm going to be putting out. Probably be quite young and I want to win every game. But again, I just go back to what's that competition all about? Seriously, you've got a smaller budget, smaller squads, and you've got to play more games than everybody else pointless to me.
1: So this match tonight follows the Jill's 1-0 win over Sutton United on Saturday in the league. Kick-off at Priestfield this evening is at 7. We'll have details of the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning. Plus we'll have reaction in tomorrow's podcast. Same with football and Ebbsfleet United have officially submitted plans for a new 8,000 seater stadium. The club have teamed up with property partners to create what they're calling Northfleet site. It would also in include 3,500 homes, a hotel, shops and office space. And finally today, work has started on a new Olympics-inspired skate park in Swanley. Former Apprentice star JD O'Brien has helped raise a quarter of a million pounds for the project. The park at St Mary's Rec is expected to open before the end of the year and will eventually be able to host competitions. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok You can also get access to the ad free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe.
0: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Sayat, and Vauxhall.